Hello and welcome to the Lamaze podcast where we chat all things pregnancy, childbirth and the postpartum experience. Lamaze International is a global group committed to supporting families from pregnancy to parenthood. This podcast is an extension of our passion, which has been educating and journeying alongside families for over 60 years. Lamaze is more than just breathing. We will explore and hopefully help educate you in how to advocate for doing so through evidence-based information. Let's get started. My name is Mindy Cockrum, and I'm the host for today's podcast episode. I'm a childbirth and breastfeeding educator and author in Southern California, and I've been certified through Lamaze International national since 2011. So my guest today is Camille Acuna. Camille is a registered nurse who works for a large hospital in Southern California. She began her nursing career as a labor and delivery nurse. She gained experience with high risk and complex cases, which eventually sparked an interest with disease prevention. She has been working with gestational diabetes as an educator, a case manager, a labor nurse, and postpartum and antepartum nurse. And she initiated the gestational diabetes program locally where she works, focusing on the mom and the baby to make sure they're born healthy and informed through their pregnancy by providing education on nutrition, medication, and lifestyle balance. She is a native of Southern California. She has one beautiful daughter who, uh, she says, survived her gestational diabetes apple pie cravings. (laughs) And in her spare time, she runs better than I do. She practices yoga or watches the latest Netflix show. So uh, I wanted to welcome Camille to the show today, podcast today. Hi, Mindy. Hi there. And hi, everybody else. (laughs) It's funny when I was talking to Camille, trying to convince her to be a guest on my show, she was saying things like, well, you know, a lot of the people you talk to seem, you know, to have more knowledge. I'm like, absolutely not, Camille. You are so experienced (laughs) and you're so rounded. So actually, I think you're the perfect person for the podcast. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, I try. (laughs) Yeah, there there is quite a few of information in this noggin of mine. Yeah, exactly. So... Being pregnant, I mean, today's topic is nutrition throughout pregnancy, and being pregnant Mm -hmm. comes with many changes, and really none is more interesting and important than the pregnant woman's diet. So Mm -hmm. many women struggle to eat or keep food down during early pregnancy, and others have cravings, which may mean substituting less healthier foods for those that you crave. I think we've all heard of some crazy cravings out there. Um, During pregnancy, there's an increased nutritional demand, including an increased need for vitamins to promote a healthy pregnancy and baby and the blood levels of many vitamins decrease during pregnancy unless supplemented or targeted so suboptimal intake of vitamins from preconception through pregnancy increases the risk of many complications and health problems and i would say in the u.s and this may be true in other countries dietary intake of vitamin is often below recommended intakes especially for vitamin d for choline and for dha so that's true many studies suggest that insufficient vitamin intake is associated with a wide range of pregnancy complications. And this is new, you know, relatively new to me. I mean, I know a lot, but I don't, you know, every day I learn more. And some of those pregnancy complications that may be, may be connected with insufficient vitamin intake include anemia, uh, the need for cesarean section, Mm -hmm. depression, gestational diabetes, which um, Camille will talk a lot more about 
hypertension, infertility, preeclampsia, premature rupture of membranes, um, and infant problems like asthma, autism, low birth weight, congenital heart defects, intellectual development. Gosh, it goes on and on. Right, um, right. Intrauterine growth restriction, miscarriage, neural tube defects, on and on we go. So it's mm-hmm. not just you are what you eat. Is it right? It's not. It's, it's not just. It's so much more than that. It even begins preconception. I mean, the the intake of vitamins, not just prenatal vitamins, but the whole nutritional aspect of it, really begins preconception. So, um, you know, the development of the fetus really does start before, um, you know, conception. So yeah. I mean, do you think that we are less healthy in general as a nation going into pregnancy? Do you think, um, like, from ten or twenty years ago? I mean, speaking in, in the world of America, I would say there there is a lack there. You know, we have the, the challenge of obesity. There's always that. Um, and also the the societal stigma of <laughs> of the, you know, fast food, eat, eat what's easy. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's the hard part when it comes down to it, too. Um, so there's there's that challenge. There's also, you know, there's there's such a great opportunity to learn and to teach when it comes down to it during this time but it's also seen as you know there's there's nothing to learn during this time because I mean it's pregnancy we're supposed to be healthy during this time mm-hmm. um, but and it's just food uh, but at the same time we are also growing growing a, a life in here um, or two yeah. or, or two or, or more <laughs> right but so and in those who have struggled with conception also will know that that food has a lot to do with it. Nutrition does have a lot to do with it as well. Mm. So I think, yes, health does have a lot to do with it from the beginning on. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing time. So let's start off with the phrase eating for two. Mm. Why is this really kind of a flawed statement? We, we hear this often and going back to what society has already kind of put out there, we assume that eating for two means we're eating for two adults, okay, rather than eating for an adult and a fetus. So even just in the size wise of things, a fetus really does not, <laughs> does not need, you know, 1200 or 1600 calories for that matter. Um, a lot of times too, pregnancies uh, associated with just like no limitations or no rules, no, um, where, where women let loose, right? Mm-hmm. Where I, I hate to say it, but a lot of times as women, we think, well, I don't have to follow a diet per se. I'm, I'm pregnant. I can eat anything, right? Um, I don't have to watch what I eat. Uh, I will obey my cravings or what have you, um, because it's a time where, sadly enough, right, society doesn't judge women for what we eat, the cravings that we have. Um, oftentimes it is, you know, what's anticipated at this point. It's such a poor misconception, though, and that just really Um, feeds into that obesity epidemic that I was talking about. What we need to understand with this eating for two, we need to understand or really change our perspective um, is that this eating for two means I'm eating for um, one of me, one, right? Um, But really maybe change it into I'm eating for one of me and a little a little, little baby, <laughs> mm-hmm. not even really a baby because the additional calorie requirement that you need isn't very much. So in terms of calorie wise, this is just about 300 calories a day. And this is, I mean, if you think about 300 calories, this is um, like a snack, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, so, 
you don't necessarily want to gain too much weight. Kind of with the introduction that we had here, we were talking about hypertension, defects for the baby, all the um, health conditions that we were cautious about. We also don't want to face the weight gain and the complications with that, right? So in a sense, we do want to kind of keep within our caloric restrictions. Um, eating for two, let's change the perspective now. Let's kind of understand it as double the vitamins, right? right. Not necessarily two meals, double the vitamins, double the nutrients, let's double the quality rather mm -hmm. than the quantity, right? So instead of, you know, double the, the, the McMeals, let's just double the McVitamins at this point, right? Um, yeah, that's how, a good way to think of it, I think. Double the quality, not double the quantity. Yeah, I mean, because that's really what we need a little bit more of, especially as pregnancy progresses, the requirements, our energy requirements as mothers, we need a little bit more. Babies will, the baby, I will tend to always call it babies, right? The baby will, will demand more from us at this point. Um, think about it too, as the baby continues to grow every uh, trimester, right? Think about it as maybe adding another 100 calories. Another 100 calories is like a snack, Right. right. So for those of us who are wondering, what does 100 calories look like? OK, this could be like a bowl of carrots and hummus. OK, maybe you don't like carrots and hummus. Maybe you like bananas and peanut butters. Maybe you don't like that. Maybe you like peanuts and um, <laughs> or, yeah. or maybe you don't like nuts. Right. Maybe mm. you want yogurt and granola, whatever it looks like for you. But you're kind of pairing it, um, you know, to, to your own liking. Um, but as, as usual, you know, you're, you're trying to not necessarily say I'm going to have another um, meal on top of that. Yeah, I just bought 80 calorie yogurts at the supermarket this afternoon. So only 20 calories more makes an extra hundred. So yeah. an extra hundred per semester. So that's a good guide. Right. Yeah. Um, and maybe we should say eating for you, like eating for yeah. you, the baby, as opposed to eating for two. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it, too. I mean, I, I think a lot of times we, we tend to forget. You know, we, we, I also call it like, you know, we don't resist We don't necessarily need um, like a second breakfast because we tend to think, oh, I guess I'm hungry still. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we might be, but maybe, you know, again, maybe having another sip of water um, or maybe distracting with movement might be helpful too. So, yeah, I always say to my kids, you know, are you really hungry or is your mouth just bored? <laughs> Yeah, see, <laughs> it's, it may be something else, right? So, yeah. I mean, think about it a different way. So I think sometimes it's just that we just need to preoccupy our minds with something. Too. Yeah. So what do you, what are like some basic headline, what are some basic nutritional um, requirements women should follow? I mean, you've talked briefly about, you've talked about the calorific requirements, but are there some basic nutritional requirements that women should follow, pregnant women should follow? As far as um, nutritional requirements, what do you mean by that? Like, is, is there specific food groups that they should be eating more of? Yeah. What should well, their plate look like, I've, you know, in a perfect world? Oh, yeah. I think this is a, a, another part where women, well, well, pregnant women tend to think we should eat more of this and, and less of that. Right. But really, I think it's still a matter of keeping your plate pretty balanced. So, um 
if you continue to follow that healthy plate, uh, I tend to always teach towards the healthy plate where we're filled with half a plate of vegetables. We have a portion of starch, we have our protein. So the examples of the snacks I gave, they're always paired with, you know, a starch and some form of protein. Because of course, that's going to help balance our blood sugars, that's going to keep us fuller longer. I always talk about fiber when, when, <laughs> when it comes down to it, because, well, we need the regularity. So there's no, um, there's no choose only this or eat only this, right? right. Um, but I'm also, you know, I've, 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 I have a daughter, so I also know that we do get our cravings and I often craved apple pies. It was disgusting, but <laughs> I don't like them anymore. But at the same point, you, you know, you are mindful that, that even if you do have those cravings, you know, that does kind of take, take as your portion of, you know, that's your starch, you know, right. Yeah. So a balanced plate, a balanced It'll plate. Stay balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And more, so a balanced plate, if I remember rightly, is uh, way more fruit, uh, way more veggies, really veggies cover do half the plate. Do they not? Yeah. Yes. And then and starch a quarter. Vegetable. Well, yes. Yeah, starch is a quarter of the plate and then your protein is also a quarter of the plate. Right. So the veggies is any vegetable that you like. All mm-hmm. right. And it's not, um, it's not potatoes. Potatoes is a starchy vegetable. Right. <laughs> so, um, but that's, I mean, you can have potatoes, but that will fall under the starch part. Sure. So a quarter of that, but it, it's any, if you, if you like broccoli, then have all the broccoli that you like, as long as it's half the plate and as long as you eat uh, the entire portion. <laughs> but if you don't like broccoli and maybe you just, you know, you like salad, then enjoy the salad. Um, there's, there's always that. I think it's funny, you, you know, some people are like, but I don't like this, uh, this fruit. You, you don't have to eat that. You, you eat the food that you do like, though, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so how important do you think is a prenatal vitamin? So even if you fill your plate up with all the nutrients and your plate is super colorful and you follow, you know, the Mediterranean diet and you cook all your food, right? You still need to have a prenatal vitamin, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, even if, you know, world-renowned chef cooks for you, you still need to have a prenatal vitamin. I tend to think of a prenatal as one way to fill in the gaps for the mom's nutritional needs. I think of energy as far as that's concerned babies, uh, I hate to say it, the baby will really, really drain the energy out from mom. um, Because babies require so much to grow to develop in there. So not just grow as far as like lengthwise, but develop their eyes, their um, hearts, their their lungs. So yeah, we we tend to need that extra dose of you know, vitamins and supplements. What's real important though, that I think we tend to forget is we can't just get any old prenatal vitamins and we can get prenatal vitamins just, just really anywhere. Um, We want to make sure that the prenatal vitamins that we get have, you know, folic acid. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that it has iron. Um, Most prenatal vitamins will tend to have like the DHA, the fish oil, all the standard vitamins, A, B, C, D, E, <laughs> right? you know, those are all great for immunity, but technically, typically what we're looking for is a good amount of folic acid and iron, right? Folic okay. acid is the one that's going to prevent everything that we talked about from the very beginning on, as far as like the, the birth defects, the um, uh, miscarriage, and then it helps with the baby's development. 
And then of course the iron is what's going to give mom energy. It's going to prevent that preterm birth. It's going to keep the baby's weight. Um, so there's always that, right? Mm-hmm. So mind the gap, I think is my expression. <laughs> um, mind the gap with a prenatal vitamin. Fill in the yeah, gap with a prenatal it vitamin. Fills in the gap. <laughs> I mean, um, I think a lot of times too, Mindy, a lot of people will say like vitamins are just a waste because you'll see it go down the toilet, right? But I remind everyone that um when what you see, you know, going down the toilet is what your body has already absorbed and does and has already made use of. Mm-hmm. So it means it's good. It means your body's working perfect. So yeah. Yeah. So it's good. Yep. I completely agree. Lots of my friends have moved over to um, vegetarian diets, vegan diets. Mm. Um, so for pregnant women following those type of nutritional lifestyles, like vegetarian, for example, mm. or maybe vegan, is there anything they should be mindful of with regard to nutrition or supplements that they should be um, taking? So vegetarian diets... Okay, so that's not going to be any different as far as, again, if we're going back to the plate, mm-hmm. half a plate of vegetables, a quarter of the plate will belong to some kind of starch, like rice, bread, pasta, potatoes. The other quarter will belong to protein. So as a vegetarian or a vegan, the challenge is, you know, where the protein lies there. And this is where you've got to be creative. Um, so the vegetarian aspect of this, this is where you're going to use beans, any kind of beans, right? Um, and yes, I know that beans are also a form of carbohydrate, but your body will use the beans for that um, as protein. You can use soy, right? You can use tofu, tempeh, uh, lentils. Those mm-hmm. are all good uh, sources for, for vegetarians or vegans. Right. Um, I once had a patient that actually had, um, that was, was vegan, well, not was, she is vegan. And this was her challenge. Um, She had, I felt like she had everybody, just everybody against her, just saying, just eat the meat. You know, the challenge for her was that her iron, you know, it wasn't very low, but this is a challenge for many is that, you know, if you're vegetarian, your iron levels are going to be low. The baby's going to you know, deplete your energy sources, your iron sources. Um, So this was a concern. You're not eating any meat. You know, we, we don't, we don't want you to, um, to be too tired. She wasn't exhibiting any kind of symptoms as far as being tired or, um, being weak. She never had any of that. She was actually, you know, full of energy. Um, she, she's been vegan for a long time. So this wasn't her entire lifestyle. It wasn't just a a phase. Like she, this was her entire life. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But now she's pregnant, it kind of threw, threw a wrench for her. Her doctor told her, nurses told her, everybody pretty much told her that she had to start eating meat. And she didn't even know the first thing about starting to eat meat. She's, I don't even know how to cook meat. Is basically <laughs> I don't even know how to pick meat. And I was like, well, we don't have to, to do this unless, you know, we're at the point where your blood levels are way too low or, you know, and, and your, your body is really just saying, no, I can't do it. Right. Right. Um, I think that was, that was one of our things. And one thing that really helped us both, um, you know, throughout her pregnancy and it did get very, very hard towards the end. Um, as we progress towards the second half of her pregnancy, because your iron requirements really do, um, tend to 
increase, like your, your, your body tends to need a little bit more iron towards the end. Um, I didn't, we did not over supplement on the iron. We just said, okay, we're changing some of the ingredients, right? So in the beginning, we did a lot of meal planning. We focused our meal planning on prioritizing the protein source and really focusing on iron rich protein. So if you like beans, we were like, okay, what do you eat beans with? So she had, you know, tacos, uh, certain tacos. She made tempeh tacos, uh, uh, soybean tacos, different kinds of tacos that she liked. But then she would fill it up, not just with, you know, the beans and the tortilla. She would fill it up with all sorts of green leafy vegetables. Mm-hmm. She would fill it up with tomatoes. She would fill it up with, um, you know, different seeds, different nuts, just to add more of the iron rich foods, Mm -hmm. but also, of course, you know, any other vitamin rich foods that can help absorb that iron as well. So we did a lot of different research just to help, you know, get get going um, Mm -hmm. for, for that as well. So it wasn't just what we understood to be, okay, this is what a normal taco looks like. We, we had to really substitute different kinds of foods. Um, then we got real creative, looked up some different recipes. Um, I learned how to cook tofu differently with her. It was, it was, I mean, it was enlightening for me. Um, I made some stir fried tofu with the air fryer. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it was, I mean, it was really great. I mean, I've never even heard of nutritional yeast until I met her. (laughs) Mm, Me neither. (laughs) I I know. So (laughs) it's interesting. And we even got to talking about, you know, if anything, we can always add fish into your diet, but we never had to. Uh, We never added any um, like meat substitutes, I think, because we we were really focused on other sources of, of iron rich foods. So like I said, she would she just focused more so on, you know, the, the, the different kinds of foods and just focusing on those ingredients. So it really helped doing a meal plan. It really yep. helped like checking off on our lists. Um, and then, um, you know, just really just educating ourselves and educating, you know, and, and following through with it and being committed to the lifestyle that she really had. And that's, that's what it was. Yeah. Meal planning is, Really useful. I mean, meal planning was one of my New Year's resolutions a couple of years ago because it makes life so much easier if you have a set, you know, this is what we're going to, or roughly, and these are the ingredients I'm going to need. So I'm going to buy these on the Sunday. And then, you know, when I come home from work, mm-hmm. uh, no one's going to say, what's for dinner? I'm going to go, I have no idea. So you mm-hmm. have a plan and that just takes the pressure off. And same when you're pregnant, if you have that stuff in your cupboard or in your pantry or whatever, you're just, uh, uh, it's just so much easier. I mean, the other thing is when I think of a plate, you know, you know, your, your, your plate, I think of your veg and half and then I think of your starch and then I think of your protein but of course in a fajita or burrito or whatever you can just chuck it all in together and roll it up and there you go and you know that's yeah. one of those things I've gotten good at doing living here in Southern California <laughs> but that's the thing is if you open the the burrito up you can still split it apart and make it um, fit into that plate I tell everybody this too if you like soup especially now that it's cold and everything you put it all in a chopping board and it'll all still be a part of that plate you scoop it all up you still eat everything that's on that um, that's on that chopping board you've got it all so again just kind of figuring out you know I know it's a little bit more work and I know you'd rather you know watch like I said the latest Netflix show but 
it, it was, <laughs> but it's, if it's really important to you, right. Um, yep. then, then you would do that. And I think that's the thing too, is if you're not vegetarian and you eat meat, then you would plan your meal around certain things that are important to you. But for, for that one patient that I had, that was, that was our challenge and that was our priority. So that, that's what we, we did. Now, Many women are low in iron during their pregnancy and they are recommended to take an iron pill supplement that mm. gives, um, that stops traffic. I think is a nice <laughs> way of saying it, that, that creates constipation. Do you have yeah. any tips for absor- iron absorption that might help to s- not stop traffic in your body? <laughs> so I will always still recommend that you Okay, so don't ignore the healthy plate, right? right? So it's a supplement, which means you add it on top of whatever it is that you're already eating. So making sure that your fiber rich foods are are still present, which means if you're having, let's say a piece of toast, you're choosing the whole wheat, be really careful when you have the whole wheat, okay, because some whole wheat bread isn't really whole wheat, right? Or if you choose um, to have oatmeal, have your oatmeal, that's great. Um, but maybe also if if you're having problems with the constipation, kind of assess, am I drinking enough water? Am I also walking? Okay, because the motility helps too, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. there's always that part. But then um, don't don't skip out on the the iron, okay? Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I know I've met many many a women that said, "I'd rather not stop traffic this way." Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know that you you wouldn't want to. So it's it's a harder trade off, right? Yeah, but without yeah. it, um, I would say you. It, it's better if you take the iron after you eat. Um, again, especially with higher fiber foods, salad, like not just lettuce. Okay. Like green leafies, those are going to be helpful for us and maybe drink it with a little bit of orange juice that helps with absorption of it. Um, not an entire orange, (laughs) orange (laughs) juice. Okay. Um, that's going to help with it. Um, if you're not diabetic, okay. But if you're diabetic, just like a sip, that'll help with it, um, Mm -hmm. for that. And that's, that's, that's one tip that I have for for you. That's a good tip. I mean, it's been a while, but um, I had a liquid, I had a liquid iron supplement. There's a, in, I was in the UK at the time and there's a, a spring it's in Wales, um, which the water in that spring is very high in iron Mm -hmm. and they used to, I say bottle it. They used to put it in sachets and sell it. It was bright Mm -hmm. orange. I can't remember the name of it, but I did exactly what you said. I, I paired it with my OJ and I remember avoiding caffeinated drinks half an hour either mm-hmm. side of it to help mm-hmm. increase absorption yes, <laughs> and so I d- avoided the the, the c-word <laughs> the traffic <laughs> the um traffic stops the, yes the- <laughs> yeah sometimes though you get real desperate too and I think some some of us you know say okay I know I need the cal the the iron and I'll just take um you know like a patch or um, like a gummy or yeah, different form of the supplement. Okay. Right. Don't do that. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not necessarily, it's not even really going to benefit you because you're going to feel like, okay, I don't really necessarily have the side effects. Right. Right. Um, but again, if it, if it's, it, you're wasting your money, I guess there's another way for me to say it. Than right. that. So it's not necessarily going to absorb um, as, as good. Good to know. Yeah. Food is clearly the yeah mm-hmm. natural way. 
jumping to the kind of the other end of the spectrum or the early part of pregnancy, um, mm -hmm. many people, and I was just at a, a gathering two weeks ago um, with a uh, with a girl, a woman who's, I suppose she's in, still in her first trimester. She was talking about her nausea. Is there any food recommendations that you would give for a woman who's struggling to keep it, keep food down or that might help with her na nauseous feeling? So everybody's kind of different, yeah. right? When it comes down to this, um, remember that there's always going to be old wives tales attached mm -hmm. to the nausea. Right. Um, some people will relate this morning sickness to, you know, this is a good thing, you know, sometimes it's all in our head. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times it's, it's all in our head. Maybe, maybe detach that first. Um, a lot of times too, it's got a lot to do with our blood sugar. Right. Um, and, and not to say that everybody go get a blood sugar machine or anything like that. Um, but maybe also just kind of assessing, am I eating enough? Am I eating frequently enough? Um, and the thing too, is am I eating small meals frequently enough? Um, right. that, that's one. Um, if you, if you know that you are and you're, you know, you feel like you're, you're doing okay, um, kind of understand too, that as, as we get more pregnant, right. The pregnancy hormone that releases is really what's triggering this, this nauseating feeling, right. but there's no specific reason as to why. So there's some kind of trigger, maybe a smell, maybe, um, a movement, <laughs> maybe depression, who knows right. what really at some point. Yeah. Um, so in, in a sense, um, it, it's, it's a matter of trying to figure out what's triggering for us mm -hmm. and then kind of combating that trigger. Um, not necessarily saying staying away from it, but preparing for it. So one of the things I know, um, is helpful and I will always recommend this is ginger. Mm -hmm. Okay. So don't laugh at me, but I will always say regular ginger and, you know, all the resources will say you can try ginger ale, ginger tea. I will tell you regular ginger. I, I come from a long line of, you know, naturalists here. So we will get regular ginger, clean it up, slice it up and make you chew it. And I <laughs> kid you not, it's not the best tasting, but it will heal. Okay. I know. I told you, don't make fun of me. But it's freaky I looking. It looks like a weird tree branch. Uh, no, I was, oh yeah, there it is. But you're yeah. not going to, you're not going to eat the whole tree branch. If anything, you're eating, <laughs> you're eating a sliver of it. <laughs> I know everybody listening is now thinking, what are you talking? It's a small, small piece. It's, it's like, you know, it's smaller than like a ginger too, really, okay. but it's the most natural source of it. Don't, don't chase it with anything. You just chew it, chew it. I swear it will help you. That's a really good tip. I swear. I know. I know it's really weird. And if I could have given it to every single mm -hmm. patient that I ever had when I was doing labor and delivery, I would have done it. And that would have helped with their, with their hyperemesis, but I couldn't do that at the hospital. So huh? maybe just sniffing it would be a good trigger too. <laughs> <laughs> well, sniffing it, sniffing um, citrus, like lemon will right? help. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sniffing will help. Like if, if some, some of us do um, have to have something in our mouth, you can lick the lemon, um, right. but, but, you know, eating it, not necessarily, you know, the best. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, some people will, will add it to their water. That's helpful. But, you know, another, another good one is, um, you know, you've heard of the crackers, right? But, yeah. you know, another one, and, and here's, we just want to be mindful of is potato chips, mm. okay? dry toast, not burnt, 
some people like burnt, but dry toast or pretzel. So like the crunchy, really easy to digest, very light on your stomach kind of thing. So those are the ones you want to do. And also maybe some cold foods like popsicles. Right. <laughs> um, those those are going to be helpful. And then I always, you know, tell everybody, don't be rushing towards supplements to help you, um, you know, relieve the nausea. I would I would say, you know, not necessarily rush to your doctor either, but maybe first um, check to see, am I eating the right kinds of food already? Is there a specific time that this is happening? Is it happening after I'm eating breakfast? Was it something I ate, you know? Um, and then again, also, if if it's after I take a prenatal vitamin, right? Because sometimes if we eat breakfast and then immediately after we take our prenatal it's a lot of nutrients for our body to absorb all at once. I mean, think about that, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe wait an hour or two after, then have our little OJ to have um, the absorption properly, um, and then just just experiment with it. So it's a lot of listening to our body, a lot of allowing our body to digest a little bit at a time, right? Good and advice. Also, yeah. Invest Good in advice. some Sprite, you know, Sprite or 7-Up. <laughs> And there's a lot of those kind of products on the market. You know, that that market's suddenly grown with water, you know, flavored waters with bubbly yes. or fizzy or not. And, yes, yeah. yeah. So Invest there's more, in that, yeah. More choice than there's ever been. I'm going to add to if you do essential oils, peppermint. Mm-hmm. Peppermint helps also. Oh, another yeah. good tip. Yeah. I'm writing these down for my classes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> although by the time they get to my classes, they're usually in the third trimester, so they're kind of past it. But uh, <laughs> one of the things that you specialize in um, – is gestational diabetes. Mm. And it, I'm finding it's becoming a more common occurrence during pregnancy. Can you give our yeah. uh, listeners a quick rundown of what causes it and, you know, what dietary action needs to be taken? Yeah, quick rundown on it. You know, so gestational diabetes is more prominent than we actually think. So about 10% of pregnancies, um, you know, are gestational diabetes in nature. So gestational diabetes tends to only happen, diabetes tends to only happen during the gestational part. Okay. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's forever, but it could mean that you're at risk for developing diabetes. Diabetes is essentially um, your body's inability to process sugar, right? Which means the sugar is stuck in our blood. I don't want you to think too that the baby's going to be diabetic, like, oh no, as a mother, I'm already failing. Um, a lot of times that's the first thing you think about when you get this diagnosis. Nobody ever really explains this to you. It just becomes this horrible stigma. You've got diabetes. You know, <laughs> oh my gosh, nobody tells nobody tells you anything after that. Yep. Um, but it just really means that your body doesn't know what to do with all this sugar. The thing is, is sugar comes from the food that we eat, right? We have to eat. (laughs) And and even if we eat a lot or we don't eat a lot, we get the food, uh, we get the sugar from the food that we eat. In order for the the sugar to be used up though, we need insulin. And insulin is this hormone. Think of it as like a a key, right? And think of sugar as um, gas. And now we know how a car works, right? Mm-hmm. Cars need a key. Cars need gas to be able to run around, right? So that's kind of how your body works so that we have energy. That's the fuel that your body needs. That's how our body walks, talks, does everything we need to do. In pregnancy, though, the thing that's different is insulin is kind of kind of put in the back seat. Right. Because... Okay? Other hormones like progesterone, estrogen, HCG, you know, those beautiful hormones that 
keep the baby in our uterus that mm-hmm. keep us pregnant, those are taking the precedence at this point, right. which means insulin is just not necessarily doing what it needs to do. Because of that, glucose is stuck hanging out in the blood. Sugar is just hanging out. So whether I love Snickers <laughs> or I don't, a lot of times that's the challenge, right? It could be because, you know, it it runs in my family. It could be because of my lifestyle. It could be just because this is just the way my body, um, my hormones have been. So it's a quick rundown of it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's forever. But here's the thing that most people um, don't understand. Most people don't understand that this can be 100% controlled with diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. Diet and exercise. And yes, it takes a lot of meal planning. Yes, it does take a lot of... um, you know, really scheduling your time of the day. But here's one way I look at it is after the baby is born, your life is 100% devoted to that baby, which means you'll be breastfeeding, right? I, I'm already saying you'll be breastfeeding at a certain time, yep. every single, you know, on, on the dot, right? Whenever the baby, this is the same thing. It's kind of like training for that. Um, you'll be eating every so many hours. The baby will be eating every so many hours. It goes the same way. So it's kind of training in that same sense. Your life suddenly just shifts. It becomes a little bit more, not just you now, it becomes you and the baby. It belongs to both of you now. Um, and your priority you know, the whole it coming back full circle, it doesn't mean eating for two. It really does mean I'm eating quality food because I've got to keep everything stable. I've got to make sure that I've got quality sugar in here because the baby, right? If the baby gets too much sugar, because I share everything with the baby, the baby could get too big, right? And I might have such a hard time um, delivering this baby. Um, a lot of times too, if the baby gets too big, we face that C-section. Right. And I never say that a C-section is bad, but what I tend to think about too is sometimes we we don't visualize that, right? I, we visualize this is how my pregnancy is going to go. This is how my labor is going to go. Um, and we don't necessarily think of the complications behind that, Um we don't necessarily think of it that way. And I think that's that's the hard part about this too, is I don't necessarily want that, but I also don't necessarily want to adapt these new eating habits. So it makes it really challenging. But the thing is, is I think one thing that most pregnant women don't understand is that there's so much more support out there mm-hmm. um, than, than they believe to be. You know, you don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to run to medication to get these blood sugars uh, managed. Um, you don't have to deal deal with people who don't support you. There are people who are out there that are very understanding and supportive, um, like me. I mean, mm-hmm. I had gestational diabetes when when I was pregnant. I felt alone. And I think that's why I'm so passionate and so, so caring over people Um, who feel the same way because you, because I've gone through it. Mm -hmm. I had the fears. I had the, the stigma behind it all. And I think that's, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, I had the cravings and I had, (laughs) I had the family that wanted to feed me everything. And I also was, was like, you know, this isn't really a part of it because I'm, I'm trying to grow a healthy baby in here. Um, And and I've got to really 
take control of it in this way. It does put you in different mindset. I mean, I've had lots of parents, birthing parents coming through my classes who um, have had to adapt to gestation diabetes requirements, Mm -hmm. but uh, many of them have actually lost weight during their pregnancy, Mm -hmm. felt fitter, stronger, more energetic. And after the baby's born, they still feel, you know, they still feel that way. Mm -hmm. So um, it is a, it is a mindset and and it is a, a, you know, perseverance. Um, and I'm, yeah. and I'm glad you're supporting our, our parents because I think you do, you do an amazing job. And I think education, gestational diabetes education and having a class is, uh, is not as uh, common as I would like it to be. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think that's another, uh, one of the things that was lacking, it used to just be, um, what, one of the reasons why I was so driven to develop a program like this was because it was just an appointment and it was just, a. um, so you have diabetes mm-hmm. <laughs> and now here. Um, and I think, I think women, women, especially educated women needed to know a little bit more um, on what to eat, what to do, how to prevent this. You know, I think, I think we're, we were given, given a little less credit, you know, uh, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to take care of our babies, but we're not necessarily given those, those resources when it comes down to it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that that women were given that chance to get that absolutely, resource. absolutely, and and I I do think one of the positive things about social media is that there are support groups out there. I know there's mm. many gestational diabetes support groups on mm. Facebook, probably on Instagram as well. Are there in general any resources or websites that you'd recommend for women who want more information on nutrition during pregnancy? Yes, I always recommend the Sweet Success website, the Sweet Success website for, um, well, that one's helpful for gestational diabetics. You can find their meal plans there. You can find the healthy plate there to kind of help you. This is specific for gestational diabetics. Not everybody needs to follow that, um, but it is a really good guide um, to kind of show you what meals look like, the timing of meals, and even how to squeeze in, you know, exercise. Um, and I know a lot of times women think I don't need to exercise during pregnancy. And I'm not think I'm not saying join, you know, hardcore gym here. I'm, I'm just saying, let's go for a walk. Let's, let's celebrate the body that we have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's always that. I always think too, that, you know, the, the FDA, FDA fact sheets, mm-hmm. how to read nutrition labels. That's a good one um, because you want to be mindful of, of um, like sodium. You want to be mindful of sugar. You want to be mindful of how to read labels. So the new thing that they have in that FDA website too are videos. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're so cute because they dressed up. We would have been perfect for it to, to dress <laughs> us up and say, I am saturated fat and this is what I do. And um, so it's really cute. <laughs> and you'll remember what it is. Uh, but also there are handouts for everybody to use for that. I will also recommend, of course, the CDC website for choose my plate. So you can see visuals of what plates look like, different um, kinds of vitamins, nutrients, foods, rich in all the things I was talking about. I also will say, you know, there are other um, websites that I've found very helpful as far as, you know, for, for, for research and for, for when I teach other uh, 
patience when it comes down to it. Um, but of course, I can always send it over and add it to your show notes for a little later on. You can, you can. So is there anything finally you'd like to add? Because we've talked, we covered a lot of stuff. And, you know, I'm thinking about the headlines from today. Um, mm. It's not eating for two. It's eating, you know, for you, the baby I'm growing and the 100 calories per trimester. And mm-hmm. a lot of the information we shared about iron absorption, nutritional requirements, prenatals, um, gestational diabetes. Anything you want to add before we Prenatals, close? fill in the gap. Yes, fill in the gap. Yep. Yes. Quantity, <laughs> not uh, qual- quality, not quantity. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I think really just re- changing our perspective. That's the, the last thing I want to do is changing our perspective when it comes down to um, our nutrition, right? When it comes mm-hmm. to pregnancy and nutrition, it's not a free for all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we are feeding ourselves, right? Eating for you mm-hmm. um, and the fetus. And there and there's that and, and filling in the gaps when it comes down to it. And filling in the gaps might mean prenatal vitamins or just gathering more information. And I do hope that you um, seek out more information. And I love that we do we do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to thank my guest today. It's been really a real pleasure having Camille um, with us. And I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast on nutrition and pregnancy. Please go to our website, lamaz.org to learn more about Lamaz and how to connect with a childbirth educator in class and so many other resources related to pregnancy, childbirth and parenthood. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Lamaz podcast. And if you're willing to give us that five-star review, this will help other families find us in the podcast world. So I'm looking forward to you tuning in next time for today. I have been your host, Mindy Cockrum. Thanks everybody. Mm -hmm.